Good morning, church. How are you guys doing today? You sure? It's kind of dark in here now. A little bit? A little bit dark? Okay, but well, we're going we're gonna to have a good time today. I'm very, um, Marty Fuqua is not here this morning. He is in Quebec. I think that's how you say it. Quebec. Uh, for a family reunion, I think his son Ben is doing a half Ironman. You know, half iron instead of interesting. You know, I don't know, like, you're like half iron and half, I don't know. Anyway, she's not here today, so that was my, that was my try for a joke, it didn't work. What, what was that? It's a world championship Ironman, okay. That's even more impressive. Anyways, but today, again, you stuck with me, so hopefully, you know, you won't, you know, complain about that. Uh, but I have a couple of questions for you. Okay. And again, I'm going to ask you to, you know, try to be a little, you know, I want to hear you, I want to see that you're, you're awake, okay? Because right. otherwise, I'm going to start falling asleep here as well, so let's make sure that we're all into this, okay? What do we pray before we, we start? <laughs> Heavenly Father God, thank you very much for this morning. Thank you very much for the church. Thank you very much for all the blessings we have, God. We are so blessed. Thank you for the people that are visiting. Uh, we, we pray that today will be encouraging for them. For them. I pray that, that your word will, will transform our hearts. Yes. Father, I pray that today you put me aside and that your word will be spoken with power today. Amen. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, how many of you have ever felt tempted to compare yourself with somebody else? Oh, have you ever felt tempted? Yes. No? Some of you are alive? <laughs> now... How many of you have done it before? How many of you have compared yourself to somebody else? Now, now why do we do that? Yeah, it makes you feel good. You're very competitive. Because there's something inside of us that for some reason, something I don't know what it is, but it's something inside of us that makes us feel like, maybe if I compare myself to this person, maybe I, I can make myself feel better. Because, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not that good, but I'm better than that guy. <laughs> but, you know, that guy is really good, but man, I, I should feel bad. And, you know, and we have this battle within us. Yes. Uh, in the team ministry, or, or, uh, we have a theme for this year. I want to share that with you this morning. And our, the, our theme is the scripture is in John 3, chapter 30. You can, I'll, I'll put it on the screen in a little bit. But the, the scripture basically says, He must become greater, and I must become less. And, I, and I, this, it's awesome, if you think about it for a little bit, is that, you know, that God must become greater, and that I must become less. And I, what we're going to study this morning is the person who said these words. And we're going to look at why did he say it, and, and what situation was he going in, in a, what, what situation was he going through. Maybe we can relate, and how can we put it into practice in our life? Okay? Yep. So the person that said this was John. And then I have a little, there you go. I, wanna, wanna, I want you to do some math this morning. I don't know if you've ever done math at church, but we're going to do some math today. Okay. We're going to see if we remember some of this stuff. So, uh, it's a little out, but you remember what that is? You know, right there? Greater than. Greater than. Greater than. Okay. What's that one? Less than. Less than. Less than equal to. Good. What about that one? Equal to? You guys are good. You're all fast math. Awesome. 
And you know, so, so today we're going to talk about how can you know, how can Jesus become greater? How can He become greater in our life? So John is the one that said this word, and John was John. It's not it's not John the apostle, but it's John the Baptist. It's very interesting because John actually was was chosen since he was on the womb of his of his mom. An angel came and he and he talked to his parents and he said. This man is going to be special. This kid is going to be very special. He's going to point the way to the Messiah. That's incredible. Imagine somebody like something like that will happen to you. This we're choosing this kid to point the way to the Messiah. So he was set apart. Um, so what happened is that he actually, you know, he started leaving, you know, he started growing up, and he and he kind of grew up separated from other people. And as many of you know. He was a little interesting, yeah. right? That's to say the least. He was a Nazarene, so he actually the Nazarenes actually had the the not don't cut your hair challenge. <laughs> so actually, they would do that. They would not cut their hair or their beard. So you know, this guy is like a you know weird looking guy, okay. and he actually likes to eat weird stuff. You know, like do you know what he likes to eat? Honey, honey, some wild honey, some locusts. I mean, he, he was kind of like a vegetarian. He was a weird guy. Oh, sorry, vegetarian. And he used to dress in weird ways as well. He would put on like camel clothes. I mean, you, you just have to think about it. He was a character. But he was the guy leading and pointing the way to Jesus, to the Messiah. So he started doing it. You know, he grew, he grew up and he's wearing all this crazy stuff. And he started telling people, hey, I am the one leading the way to the Messiah. I'm, the Messiah is coming. And when he started doing it, he started baptizing people. You know, people started following him. I mean, just think about it. You see this weird guy, and he's talking about the Messiah, and, and you need to follow me. And, and I, you have to think about the kind of people that were following him. Wow. Right? You know, maybe, maybe there's people that, you know, some of them, they, they wanted to believe in something. Some of them have heard, and some of them have studied the Bible, and some of, you know, there's a Messiah, and they're like, maybe, maybe this is right. And you hear people, you can, can imagine people just thinking of, maybe there's something that this guy can give me. Maybe if we follow him, maybe we'll discover something. So a lot of people actually start following him. And what happens is that he starts baptizing people. And then they call him, you know, John the Baptist. And, you know, he had the temptation, like as many of us, uh, of feeling, man, all these people are following me. Man, this, is, this feels kind of good. And actually, people started telling me, hey, hey, John, maybe it's you. Maybe you're to the side. And they started looking at John like he was, you know, somebody very important. And people were like, you know, they were their disciples, his disciples. And they will tell him, John, maybe he's you. And you can think about the temptation, you know, of human nature to say, huh, maybe it is me. You know, maybe he doesn't show up. Maybe God chose me. You know, maybe, I think, you know, I would have struggled with that. I would have struggled with the idea of like, wait, so I'm talking about somebody else, but what about me? What about me? What am I going to get? I mean, when he shows up, you know, what is he going to give me? Am I, I going to be one of his main guys? What am I going to get? Until one day, 
Jesus shows up. And, 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 there's, and there's John and his disciples, and, and all of a sudden they see this guy. You can turn yourself and stuff, it'd be awesome. <laughs> turn yourself and stuff. Jesus shows up. And John gets to this point of saying, Man, I've been, I've been talking, I, I grew up talking about this guy. My whole life has been about this man. And he sees him coming and he says, Hey, that's the guy. That's the guy that I've been talking about. And, if, and if, if I was John, I would have been challenged with the idea of like, no, what about me? What am I going to do now? Who am I going to talk about now? And then he gets, you know, he, he gets this challenge of feeling like, what about me? You know, how do I compare to Jesus? Maybe I don't compare to Jesus. Um, I want to show you a video, and it, it, so you guys can laugh a little bit. I really like, uh, you know, stand-up comedy. Um, so, can we laugh at church? Is that okay? Yes. Is it okay? Raise your hand if you're not okay with that. You're not okay with that. You can leave for a little. So I want to show you. I want to show you this little little clip, um, and I think you know it's very interesting because comedians have this insight in humans. Right, and they kind of like make fun of you, but and you're like, oh man, it's so true. Yeah. So we're gonna look at a little video here of, of this comedian that talks about this this thing that happens in us. Check it out. Kind of quiet off stage. A lot of people don't realize that. I was at a dinner party recently. A bunch of people that I don't know. One guy talking plenty for everybody. And then me, myself, right? And then I, and then myself, and me, me. I couldn't tell this one about I because I was talking about myself, and then me, me, me. So I tried to jump in with a little story. I don't want to just sit there the whole night. Right when I'm done with my story, this guy goes, that ain't nothing. (laughs) Didn't mean to waste everybody's time. (laughs) Telling my nothing story. Here, let Marco Polo speak. He's back with tales of adventure. That story ain't nothing. Maybe it wasn't, because I made the mistake of trying to tell a story about having only two wisdom teeth pulled, and I learned a lesson. Don't ever try to tell a two wisdom teeth story, because you ain't going nowhere. The four wisdom teeth people are going to parachute in and cut you off at the pass. Hold, hold with your two wisdom tooth tail. You will never complete one, trust me. I'm trying to tell my story. You know, I had some wisdom teeth pulled. I had, um... I had two, but I had four poles. Oh, okay. No, five. No, nine. I had nine wisdom teeth pulled. All of mine were impacted. They were all coming upside down. The roots were up around my tongue, coming out my nose. They were tough. That was a warthog. No anesthesia. They pulled them out with pliers. I was eating corn in the cob that afternoon. Pin the blue ribbon upon his chest. That knocks the socks off of my wisdom tooth tail. Why do people need to top other people? I've never understood it and I see it all the time. 
Obviously, people get something out of it. At best, people wait for your lips to stop. Yeah, let's Okay, yeah, you, me! You, me! You see the difference? You see, you see that? Now I do. What is it about the human condition people get something out of that? That's why I have a social fantasy. I wish I was one of the 12 astronauts who have been on our moon. They must love knowing they can beat anybody's sword whenever they want. They can sit back quietly at a dinner party while some other person, some meat monster, is doing his thing and let him go. Let him run with the line while you be quiet. Let him have his moment. Yeah, I'm a big traveler. I have my business out. I got my own global enterprise. I got to check. And, you know, driving the Autobahn because I keep a fleet of sports cars over in Zurich. And I get to switch the cab and I'm check it. Not full of drugs, but it's a man have to cancel that. You know, runways in Aspen are a lot shorter the first time you go in there. You know, you know, the Pacific Rim Company is going to try to take that over. And I walked on the moon. <laughs> well, you have the floor, moonwalker. <laughs> you know, you mentioned driving on the Autobahn. That reminded me. Once I was driving in the Sea of Tranquility. <laughs> in my Lunar Rover. And I too was worried about our speeds that I remembered why. <laughs> We're the only ones on the middle. <laughs> kind of quiet off stage, a lot of people don't realize that. I was at a dinner party recently. Something funny. I love it, but you know, I don't know if you caught when he says, so there's this, this me monster that counts on us. And I don't know if you've ever done it, but you know, maybe you know somebody just bought a new car. It's like, oh, it's a, what, what year is it? Is it 2002, 2012? Oh, so it's not like a new car, okay? Oh, it's new for you, okay, it's new for you, but if you're into that thing, okay, it's not, not very good. Oh, you, your baby, your baby, oh, he, how old is he? Is he doing good? Okay, good. Is he crawling already? Oh, he's not crawling? Oh, because you know, my, my kid is, he's like a month younger and he's already walking the dog. <laughs> And we have this condition that we want to we compare ourselves to others, and we have this mean monster in us. And I don't know if you've tried it, but you know, you're talking to somebody, and they're talking, and yeah, like the guy's like, okay, when are they going to stop talking? Okay, hey, me, 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 no, my, me, you, me, my, I'm more important than you. And John is, is confronted with this, with this idea of, what about me? What about me? I, I have this me monster that I want to satisfy. But every time people will talk, you know, will talk to him, hey, maybe it's you. He says, I, he must become greater, and I must become less. And, and when you think about it, you know, why did he set this work? Maybe it is because he was thinking about him. Or maybe it was because, you know, he really wanted for God to be glorified. And, you know, in our lives, many times, you know, we really focus in, in us. Yeah. And I think as a church, many times we do that a lot. Yeah. And we see this example of John saying, you know what, my life, I want to be less. 
And I, I want everybody else to be greater. You know, how are you living your life right now? How, how is that in your life? How can you apply that in your life right now? Are you making sure that Jesus is becoming more in your life? Has He become more lately? You know, if you've been a disciple for a long time, have you, has He become more and you less? Or is it you? Or is it you that has been growing? Or is it you that has been becoming greater? So, Mark 1, verse 7. And, and this, is, this is John talking. He says, and this was his message. After me will come one that, that is more powerful than us. The straps, drink here. The straps who are not worthy to stop, to sit down and untie. He says, you know what? I am not even worth to even untie his sandals. You know, that, that was the, and it was customary back then that, you know, when, when you will go in, when, you know, in a journey and you will get, go, to a, go to a house, you'll come back and, you know, and the, the, the servants will actually take off your sandals and clean your, you know, clean your, your feet. He says, I'm not even worth doing that. I'm not even worth taking off his sandals and cleaning his feet. I'm not even worth what a servant will do. I, I, I don't compare myself to him, not even in that way. So many times when we think about, you know, many people can, can compare Jesus as a me monster. Maybe Jesus is the ultimate me monster. Because he wants to control your life. You know, you can't talk his stories for sure. You start telling stories, hey, Jesus, you know, one time I fed this guy <laughs> 5,000. <000. laughs> you know, there was this big rain going on, and I, you know, I was driving my car. I parted the Red Sea. I mean, you can't win. If you start going against God, I mean, you're not going to win. And, and, and sometimes we can feel like, you know, maybe, maybe God is just this, this controlling man that just wants to control my life. He's very demanding. He wants to control us. He wants weak people to follow Him. People that would just say whatever He wants to do. And, you, and I know many times you have been told that. I have been told that. But maybe, maybe you're weak because, you know, you can't do your life on your own. So you, you try to find something, in, you know, in God. Well, so, you know, the night before Jesus is betrayed, Jesus is with his disciples and they're sitting at this table. And, you know, again, it was customary that they would sit around the table. There was no chair back then. So they would, they would just sit on the floor. So, you know, they, they, you know, they, they, they had the custom of washing their feet. Because probably your feet would be like in somebody else's faces right here. So, so you know, it was customary that, you know, there would be a servant doing that, you know, and they will wash their feet. So there's this night when Jesus is there, and they're talking about who's going to be the great, and, you know, you're going to be in charge, and when Jesus does, and he just takes the, takes the towel, and gets on his knee, and starts washing people's feet. And the creator of the universe starts serving people. And, start, and he, start, he starts doing something that a servant will do. You know, nobody wanted to do that. You know, all the disciples were just, you know, worried about, you know, who's going to be more important. Mark 10, verse 43. Jesus says, not so with you. 
Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. You know, Jesus paints a different picture of what, what it means to be great. To be great in God's kingdom is to be a servant. You know, I remember that the time when I, when I came to church, the first time I came to church, the reason when I came to church, it was because of me. It's because I wanted to find a girlfriend. I was tired of the world. And, you know, I, honest, I, came, I came and I was like, you know, I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of done with my life. It's not like I wanted to find God. I was just, I was just looking for something for me. And, you know, and I was there, okay, why are they going to give me? Why are they going to tell me? You know, what, how is it going to make me better? And that really went out of, you know, really quick went out of the window. Because I started figuring out that it was not about me. And everything I was reading, it's like, it's not about you, it's not about you. I was like, wait, this is not what I wanted. <laughs> I thought it was about me. And I started figuring out that it was not about me. But it was about Jesus. And he gives this picture of him washing, you know, the disciples' feet. And you can just picture that. And I'm sure he did a great job. Right? And Jesus, he went into the little cabinets. And... But he said, you know what? If you're going to be great, you first need to be a servant. And I know that we, we learned that when we came to church. And if you're visiting, that's what we do. It's not about you. It is about others. It's about God. But I, I, you know, I, I honestly feel that we have left that behind. I feel like in our church, you know, I wasn't here when all the great things were happening and all the crazy stuff happened. I wasn't here. I heard about it. I didn't really care about that. Because I wasn't here. I came and I, I encountered God after that. And I remember the first, you know, after I became a disciple, uh, the first week after I became a disciple, there was a wedding, and I was serving at the wedding. I was there. I was waiting. I was helping people. And, you know, and I was fired up. I was like, yeah, I became a disciple. It's not about me. I'm here to serve. I'm here to help others. And again, I want to I ask you, if that's what you're doing, you know, what, what are you doing right now? Are you serving? Are you making sure that, other, that you're raising up other people? Or is it just about you? Is it just about, you know, your family, or you know, how my kids are going to go, or how much money we're going to make, and, you know, that we are fine. Are you really looking out for others? You know, two weeks ago, I, I, I was here and I asked you and I, made, I, I gave you a challenge. And I challenged you to bring somebody to church. Uh, and it was, it was so inc encouraging that through the week, I got calls from people. And they said, hey, Alex, you know, I, I got your challenge, so I, I invited my co-worker. You know, I invited my boss. You know, I have, I have been sharing my faith for, I had like, you know, five or six calls. And people were coming to the week and I was like, oh my God, that was awesome. And then I came on Sunday, and a lot, a lot of people introduced me to their friends that they brought to church. Yeah. Awesome. You know, somebody was being baptized, and like, hey, you know what, I brought my friend, and he brought his friend. Some people told me, I haven't shared my faith for years. But, you know, we actually brought somebody today. Amen. And let me tell you what I saw on each one of those verses. They were not like, oh my God, it's not about me, it was so hard. And I'm so discouraged they came. <laughs> You know, I saw faith in their eyes. They were fired up. They were like, oh my God, I can't believe I haven't been doing this. 
I can't believe I was fake. I was letting the mean monster take over. Yeah. And many times we, we just let the mean monster take over. Yeah. Yeah. And he is in your life. That's all he does. Yeah. I think Jesus encountered a mean monster. If you remember, you know, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was going to be crucified, he was going to be taken to be crucified. He went to pray. And he's there and he takes his friends and he goes to pray and, and he's praying and, and he's saying, God, I don't really want to do this. And if it was me, I mean, I'll call angels and we'll get this done right now. But it's not about me. I want to obey your word. And then he goes back to the disciples and says, Hey guys, and I was praying and they're asleep. And then he goes back again. And he keeps doing this three times. And he's, and he's wrestling with this idea of, Oh, what about me? And you can think about, you know, that there's this other person right there. We call it like the me monster. That is saying, Hey Jesus, you don't have to go through this. You don't have to die on the cross. You don't have to give your life for these people. You have the power to get rid of this right away. You don't have to go to that cross. And Jesus said, May God's will be done. It is not about me. And he said, I want to get rid of the me monster. Now, it's incredible that, to, to think that, you know, that somebody actually would do that, that, that will go and die for you. And, and really decide in his heart to say, you know what, it's not about me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave for you. I want to show you a picture here. of a, This is called the Rublev Trinity. And anybody from Russia here? Any chance? No? Russia? No. No, you're not from Russia. You're not sure if you're from Russia? You know somebody? Okay. This, this, is, this picture is actually one of the most important pieces of art of Russia. This is, this is considered one of his, their highest achievements in art. And uh, it has different names, the Robles screen and different names, but it, this was painted by a, by, a, by a Russian monk in the 15th century. His name was Andrew Rublev, and that's the reason why they call it this. But uh, many people have wondered what, you know, what this looks like. And what, what is this about? And, and they have come to the conclusion that this is the illustration of the Trinity. And, and how God, and this, you know, you can see here, like, be God, and then Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. But this is the relationship that happens when they're together. That, you know, that, like, none of them are really, like, the main person in the picture. But they're all kind of, you know, he, he's, like, looking at him, and, like, Pointing at Jesus, and, and he's like leaning to Jesus and pointing at God, and then Jesus is looking at God, but pointing at the Holy Spirit. And this is, you can see that there's this relationship. That when, when God is together with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, there's this relationship that happens. That it's not about a mean monster, but it's about what do you think? What about you? And many people, there's, there's two different uh, theories of this that. One is that this is the moment where they're discussing that they're going to send Jesus down to die on the cross. And they're thinking, hey, you know what? We, we're probably going to have to do this. 
Or maybe that this is the moment that they're going to send the Holy Spirit be with the church. And they're, and they're deciding. But I, I don't know which one you like the most, but what I really like is that when they're doing this, when they're doing this relationship, they're thinking about you. They're not thinking about what's best for us. You know, if they were to decide, you know, to go to a restaurant, they will never decide. You would be like, well, what, what do you want to go? No, what do you want to go? What do you want to go? And it, it is this relationship that when, they, when God is together with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're thinking of you. And all they're thinking is about how can they help you. And I don't know if you have been living your life as a meme monster. And I want to ask you, how's that going for you? How are your relationships? You know, how close do you feel to people? How, how, how satisfied are you with life? If you have been feeding your meme monster. Now, the incredible part here is that, see this space right here? That this is not a closed circle. That there's this, this opening and that you and I are invited to join that circle. You and I are invited by Jesus to say, you know, we can be part of this relationship. You know the only thing that you need to do? is that you can't, you can't bring your meme monster in. This relationship with me monster is not allowed. And, you know, many times again we, we think about, well, but what about me? I mean, it's just about God or, or what, what's in it for me? What am I going to get? And I can tell you that I came here and again, I was looking for all my things. What, you know, what, what's good for me? What am I going to get? What about my girlfriend? And I, honestly, I found an incredible wife. You know, and life is really good. But it was, it was really not until I gave up myself and I started serving and I started thinking about others that all that happened. The guy said, yeah, I've been thinking, I want to give you those things. That's my plan. I mean, I have great plans for you. But first, you have to leave your me monster out. And once you do that, then I'm going to provide. Now, you know, this is the scripture, Matthew 28. Verse 18. And this is not in there. But Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'll be with you always to the very end of age. You know, Jesus commanded, the last word he said, it was not about, hey guys, I want to make sure that you take care of yourself. He said, I want to make sure that you go out and help others. The last instruction that I can give you is that you stop thinking about you. And you start thinking about others. That your life is not just about you anymore. In church, we need to go back to this. We need to really, really, really go back to this. We need to let our me monsters, you know, outside. And really start focusing on others. You know, if you do that, what's going to happen? You're going to feel awesome. Just like the people that started inviting their friends. They were fired up. And maybe, you know, you're visiting today. You know, you've been living your life with your me monster. Just about you. And again, how's that going for you? But what will it look like to say that in your life, God will become greater 
and I will become less. What would that look like in your life? You know, Jesus invited us to this relationship. You know, being, being a mean monster is a, it's a really, really lonely place. It is, it is heavy to be there. You know, you're just fighting, okay, no, it's about me, okay, you know, trying to do your kung fu, to try to keep people away, and, and make sure that you're up, and you're hiding, you're hiding your shame, and your guilt. And this, it is heavy to live as a mean monster. But instead, if you make sure that God is greater, you are in this relationship with the creator of the world. That is loving and is looking for you all the time. That is, that is a, a God that is sacrificial. That wants to give you great things. So hopefully, you know, today, you know, we can make that decision. You know what? I don't, I don't want to leave my new monster behind. You know, and I want to challenge you to do that. I want to challenge you to find a way that you can make God be greater in your life. Amen. How can God be greater in your life and you can become less? Yeah. Maybe it is through helping somebody. Maybe it is through you deciding to study the Bible and say, you know what, it's not about me anymore. I'm going to figure out what, what God is offering. Yeah. Maybe it, you know, it is going back and just like John said, that I must become less. He will become greater. Thank you very much.